But here's the, here's the thing, right? If we, if we want to be thought leaders right, and have influence on other people's thinking, right, which is the, the inherent nature of being a thought leader, right, we will influence how they arrive at those outcomes right, through, our, through our ideas, uh, through our models and so on. I mean, even Isaac Newton is, is famous to have said that he only arrived at where he arrived because he stood upon the heads of giants. Thought Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, here with my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? I'm doing really well, Sam. Excellent. Happy end of financial year or beginning of financial year. Well, it's beginning of financial year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, March went, felt like it took forever. And then all of a sudden, here we are, new financial year. And the year seems to be just flying all of a sudden. Yeah, I have a theory about that. Yeah, what's your theory? Well, the amount of time a single day is now relative to the rest of our life is proportionally smaller. I get that, but it feels like, are you saying it's, it's, it's nothing to do with the fact that 2020 is crazy? It's just that I'm getting older. You're just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. For everyone that's listening, it's not because the year's crazy. It's because you're getting older. Thanks for your wisdom, Tim. Really no, no. appreciate you. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to break it. We had, a, we had a fantastic week last week. We went off to a, to a conference and, and took away some fantastic takeaways and caught up in person for the first time in a while. Yeah, so uh, I know it was super awesome to be in a room with people. And, and what was funny was that, you know, obviously we're meant to be social distancing and I was hugging everyone because it was just, like, that's what I always do. And then afterwards thought I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but even there, like, you know, all the food was separately packaged and all the chairs got sort of a metre and a half apart on the table. Well, they started and, a metre and a half apart. <laughs> yeah, they, did, they did start that way, didn't they? But they did. it, was good, it was good to catch up. Um, it was good to do sort of a bit of work face-to-face for a change rather than just via Zoom. And I think you do, you know, the, the last few months at least of, have really given us a greater appreciation for human connectivity. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a really great event and it was great to catch up with people and uh, hanging out for the next one already. Absolutely. If you want to connect with me, Tim Hyde, head over to winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect. Or if you'd like to connect with Samantha Riley, you can find her at samanthariley.global forward slash connect. Now, today, of course, we're going to talk about how to package your IP. Now, of course, being in the room last week, we were with a whole bunch of experts who were freely sharing their intellectual property and, and ideas and, and what's working in marketing right now. And it sort of raised this question, of course, that we've been talking about for a while, about how do you package your IP? What is, what is IP, mm. you know, intellectual property? How do you sort of put it in a way that people are going to go, oh, my God, you're, a, you're an expert in your space? 
And of course, this is particularly pertinent, I guess, if you were trying to position yourself as a thought leader as well, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. This is so important because this is where you're going to be able to leverage your knowledge to get more money and more time. Uh, otherwise, essentially, you're just the same as the person that's next to you with the same knowledge. And I, I, I'm going to put that in air quotes because the first thing to understand is that we all have different IP or intellectual property. So you and I, Tim, may have or could have gone and done the same university course, gone and worked at exactly the same you know, employer afterwards, done exactly the same job. And you and I would still have like different IP because of the way that we understand things, the way that we conceptualize things uh, and the way that we also not just um, action, but teach things as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, you know, we're going to have different influences and everyone has different uh, influences. Um, and one, obviously one of the important things to remember is that we don't necessarily just want to regurgitate what someone else says. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it's a you know, breach of intellectual property and you could find yourself in hot water trying to sort of pass your, their ideas off as, as yours. But you do have influences and I think it's important that we all acknowledge that we're going to sometimes arrive at a very similar space, um, but we, what, how we present is you know, both from, a, I guess, a, a protection of that intellectual property, but also um, a differentiation, right? mm. a marketing differentiation mm. that we do want to say that, hey, we do things slightly differently from people who otherwise deliver a very similar outcome yep. to us. Now, let me just call out an elephant in the room because there's something that really bugs me and I didn't even tell you I was going to pull this one out. I'm actually a bit sick of hearing from the gurus out there that, oh, that person copied me. There is no, you know, like, there's no original thoughts left on their own. Like even, you know, even Elon Musk who's doing amazing things, that, that he's still taking knowledge that has come from other places. So it's not that you know, don't go out there and directly copy someone word for word verbatim um, and pull it off as your own. What you're teaching or what you're talking about, understand that it is pulled together from all different places. You know, when you go to university and if you're studying medicine and you learn a certain way to, you know, do surgery out of a textbook, no one in a hospital ever says, oh my God, you're copying. I think that it's been taken out of context in our in our sort of expert world, in the coaching world. Um, give yourself a bit of leeway and don't be afraid that people are going to say that because I think if you really pull together what we're going to talk about today, no one will be able to say it. But, you know, don't think that you have to create some, I, I don't even know, I didn't go to uni, I'm not smart, some <laughs> scientific thing, you don't. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing, right? If we, if we want to be thought leaders right, and have influence on other people's thinking, right? Which is the, the inherent nature of being a thought leader, right? We will influence how they arrive at those outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Through our, through our ideas, uh, through our models and so on. I mean, even Isaac Newton is, is famous to have said that he only arrived at where he arrived because he stood upon the heads of giants, mm. right? Um, you know, and a noted thought leader. And, and we're going to have the same issue, right? Complaining the fact, the fact that you're influencing other people <laughs> at the same point as going, oh, my God, I'm taking their money. <laughs> <laughs> and influencing them is 
you know, it, it seems it seems to be somewhat contrary. I mean, mm. It's all if you've got some IP that you want to protect, never tell anybody about it. Mm. Right, the best yeah. secrets in the world are the ones that are never shared. It's a bit of a bee in a bonnet of mine. Like we, what, yeah, what we're going to talk about is how to create something so it's unique to you, but that doesn't mean that you're using unique principles because you're learning all of these things from different places, different people, different points of your life, and it's the way that you bring them together in your unique way. But all of the pieces that come together are not necessarily, you know, not learned from somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we've got a four-step process. We uh, we are teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are teaching to on how to package your IP. And those those four steps, just very quickly before we drill into them, is, is defining your niche, creating your methodology, looking at your delivery and your model, and then building authority. Mm-hmm. Now, I've specifically put build authority at number four. Most people try and do this at step number two. Why do you think that is, Sam? I think it's because as humans, we want to be accepted. We want people to think we know what we're talking about. And rather than thinking about, you know, how can we help people? We're thinking, how can I make sure that the people I'm talking to think I'm good enough? So they're constantly shouting out, this is what I know. This is what I'm talking about. Um, And I think that, that a lot of people think it's a shortcut. Like if I write a book, then everyone's going to know that, that, you know, I'm the person that they need to work with. Or if I'm speaking on stages, then, you know, I'm clearly the authority. But without having a unique methodology and a delivery model to back it up. So I think they're putting the, the, the cart before the horse rather than getting clients first, unpacking that methodology with paying clients and then building your authority. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's drill into step one then. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually happen to agree with you on that one. <laughs> Excellent. There's lots we don't agree on, so I'm glad that we agree on that there, one. There, there are, there are. Okay. So first up, let's talk about your niche. And, and, and one of the things that we talk, often talk about is the keep principle. Yeah. So how I came up with the keep principle is I started to think, how is it that, um, or what is it that will have us keep getting out of bed every morning? wanting to do what we do because I think that a lot of people are afraid to choose a niche because they're afraid of getting bored with it. So they're afraid to like niche in because they're like, but I like to do this and I like to do this and I like to do this and I don't want to get bored. So if you use this principle, you can bring all of those things in that you like so that you've, you've still got that one niche that you're nailing but mm. that will keep you keep you getting out of bed every single morning. Before we so, go into the before we go yep. into the keep because keep is an acronym. Yes. Right? And before we go into that, let's very quickly unpack what what is it what is a niche because there's some people out there that may not know what a niche is. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Um, and I think the default thinking for niche is I'm going to pick an industry vertical. Like I work mm-hmm. with accountants or I work with you know, women or I work with whatever. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on what a niche is? I think a niche is a market segment. So it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it might not be a demographic. It might be a psychographic. It might be um, it might be a vertical, like you say, so it's all accountants. Or it could be a wide um, a wide segment, so it's um, it's all women, but they're in different industries. So. It, do, it, it doesn't matter 
whether you're choosing a vertical or you're going wide, but it does need to be a specific market segment so that people understand what it is and does this apply, does working with this person apply to me? Because mm. if I think about people, I'm actually right now, I'm sure you can think, Tim, if I said it, if you could think of someone that um, you don't really know what it is that they do, you probably never referred to them before. You've mm. probably um, never really entered into a deep conversation with them. But if there's someone that you know exactly what they do, you know, like they coach dentists or they coach you know, like Tyson coaches podiatrists. If you had a podiatrist ring you and had trouble, you know, growing their clinic, you would say, I know exactly who to introduce you to. I'm going to introduce you to Tyson. You know, he works with podiatrists. So a niche helps people to understand, do we work with this person or do we not? It's sometimes hard to define and we all hear about the importance of defining a niche that we're going to work in. But we want a niche that's both profitable and fun, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, you know, if you don't want to get out of bed to do it, then then don't do it. <laughs> that's right. You know, and and we don't. You know, we you and I, Sam, both work with thought leaders. You probably focus a little bit more on thought leaders than I do. That I do. You know, for me, my niche is a horizontal. What I would call a horizontal niche. I 100%. work with business owners who are at a particular stage of their business growth, where they need to get more systemized and automated. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you're a clairvoyant or a mining company, or, a, or whatever. And it's not really defined by a particular turnover of money either. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have that slightly different different differentiation about what it is. Okay, so don't think a niche is just accountants, podiatrists, um, businesses doing $100,000, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, I think that... Things. Um, I'm glad that you also brought that up by adding those things because a lot of people think a niche is a specific demographic as well and it doesn't necessarily need to be a demographic. It can be a psychographic. So who are the, who are the people? Um, they might not be 20 to 23-year-old males that live in, you know, Gundagai, for example, right? It, it doesn't need to be that. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> oh, God, I'm random. <laughs> Let's just throw a dart at a map and go Gundagai. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the dog in the tucker box is, right? It is the dog in the t- tucker box, actually. A mate of mine actually owns, technically owns that. A dog on the tucker box? Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, wow. uh, he owns all the commercial land around the real, the, uh, the dog on the tucker box. I didn't the, even know you could the own the dog on the tucker box. Yeah, apparently, apparently you can. Wow. Random fact number 578 on the Thought Leaders <laughs> Business <coming>. Lab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's break, down, let's break down the acronym. Keep K-E-E-P. All right. So the first one is your knowledge. So this is the kind of thing that would go on your resume. It's where did, you know, where did you study or what's your degree? What is the job that you're in? This is the the logical piece. You know, I'm an accountant or I'm an automation expert. You know, I studied this. This is where most people start and finish then trying to figure out their niche, but this is only the first piece. So I'm not going to spend long on this because I think most people get this. So that's the K. So the E, expertise is the second one. Now, this is when you're in your job or when you're doing your work, what is it that people come to you for? What is your standout? So, you know, are you an accountant, for example, that everyone comes to specifically for um, self-managed super funds? 
or do they come to you because you're really good at breaking down um, complex problems into little tiny situations? Are you good at delegating? What is it in your expertise that people love and come to you for? And this is really, really clever. This is, you know, what, what would you say? Actually, I'll ask you, Tim, what are you an, like a nine or a 10 out of 10 in, in your expertise that may, makes you really good in your niche of automation? Ooh, um, probably applying technology to business, to, to again, business outcomes is, mm. is you know, I'm an expert in. Yeah. And I think there's often a disconnect. People can be experts at the business and they can be experts at the technology, but not necessarily the combination of the two. So that's probably something I'm an expert in. Yeah. And knowing this it is really helpful to break down your niche. So for instance, my expertise or, or what I think that I'm like got that zone of genius in is being able to see things at a really high level and being able to break them down. So I'm almost like a helicopter because I can, I can sort of hover high, but I can dive in deep. And, and most people are either one or the other, but mm. I've got this ability to be able to do both. So when someone tells me, oh, I do this, this, and this, and I don't know how it comes together, I can very easily pull it together and break it down into small pieces. And yeah. this is why you and I are good at our jobs uh, or, you know, at, at what we do or working with clients. So this is really, it's, you know, spend some time doing this of brainstorming all the things that people have always said, wow, you're really amazing at this. Okay. So we've got knowledge and expertise. What's the yep. second E? No, the, th- oh yeah. Right. The third is experience. My brain was going faster than I was hearing. <laughs> so this, the second E is experience. So, and, and you know, this can be work experience or it can be life experience because, you know, if you've had some huge life experience, like you've, um, you know, had triplets or you've lost a large amount of weight or you've been through um, a, a really life-threatening illness, all of these things and experiences can give you a unique perspective on what it is that you do. Um, it could be that you've had a um, unique experience in a job that you've done and been through a certain situation, but start to brainstorm all of the experience that has happened to you. And when I, not just any experience, like really life-changing experiences, like pivotal moments where there was this moment where a light bulb went off and you changed your thinking or you, you went down a different route because yeah. these are, these are lights as to, um, again, what you can bring the types of people that you attract, the types of people that you work with, um, because you're going to understand these principles or experiences more than other people because you've been through them. It gives yeah. you, it gives you like a, a special, um, insight. Yeah. Insight's a really good word. <laughs> I really love I really love this one. One of the things we talk a lot about when we do content marketing is this idea of this hero journey that mm-hmm. your prospect is at the bottom of this really difficult to climb mountain. And you know, you're at the top waving your flag and, and you're guiding people on the on the step there, not here. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take that step, do this thing now. Um, and you know, because we've, you know, with our, I guess with that experience, we've often lived the journey and been through it and we've made the mistakes and everything that we want to teach our, you know, our students, our, our clients, whatever, how to make that journey easier for the next, for the next person. And absolutely. Is absolutely one. Okay. I'd never climb, climb Everest without someone who's done it before. Absolutely. Okay. And expect to succeed. 
And, and a really important piece of this, which I think that most people cover up, is the fact that they've had failures. Because here's the thing, your failures give you much more insight into how to be able to overcome them than someone that hasn't. I know that years and years ago, I was unpacking with someone how a business coach hadn't worked for them. And what we figured out was the business coach hadn't actually failed or struggled in the area that she needed help. So they didn't have this idea of how to get out of it. Mm. So don't hide your failures. Embrace them. Embrace them. Yeah. My wife, um, some some of the listeners know what my wife went through a couple of really powerful um, sort of moments in the last five years. Last year she became very highly anaphylactic to almonds uh, and has been in hospital 12 times in the last year. Uh, And five years ago she had a stroke at the age of 36 uh, and she was, for, for a lot of time, she was like, I don't want, you know, this experience to define who I am. I don't want to people to think, oh, my God, poor Penny, poor Penny, poor Penny. But she was asked to speak at a, um, you know, International Women's Day event for Westpac a couple of years ago now. And actually, uh, we, we crafted a, not a long presentation, but a sort of 15-minute speech on what her experience was, was like. And at the end of that, she actually had a bunch of people coming up to her and hugging her, saying, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, that's, you know, it's been... Um, Life-changing, you know, really. You know, Eye-opening. What's that word? Inspirational. Inspirational, <laughs> you know. Um, wow, you know, you've come through this and look at where you are. You know, it makes me seem like my troubles are minuscule in comparison and gives me hope for what what's possible. Mm. And when we, you know, if we, if we, if we don't... So leverage those experiences. We we don't you know, we can't really sort of help people through those transformations that we want to help them through. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Big What's the P? Yeah, the P is passion. Ah, my now, God. passion can be used in two different ways in pulling your niche together. So what I would suggest is you, you sit down and just really brainstorm all of your passions. Some of them you'll be able to use in your branding. Some of them you may be able to use in different metaphors that you teach that you used to teach. So I'll give you an example of that. One of my passions is dance, obviously bringing in that expertise piece as well. I ran a dance studio for 20 years and a lot of the metaphors that I use are around backstage or front stage or around teaching dancing or around different things um, around artistry that I use with dancers because that's, it's a passion. I tie it together with that expertise and I can use that in what I'm doing. Um, another one of my passions is car racing. I don't know anything about it. I just like fast cars and I like loud noises. So I just talk about it. Um, and being able to do that helps people to get to know me and it can open conversations and, um, you know, it just helps people to relate. So you don't need to use your passions all in the same way, but you, when you've got them all there, you can start to understand, well, what is it that not just for my niche, but also my branding um, and setting up your, you know, your personal brand, your business brand um, and your, and your programs. People will be unsurprised to learn that you've got a zippy little BMW M2, isn't it? Yep, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, you're not surprised you still with your license. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, so we've got knowledge, expertise, experience, and your passion. I, I yep. think that's a really fantastic way of breaking down what you know what it is your niche. And if it doesn't fit any of those things, it's probably not the right niche, isn't it? It's not just about who can pay me the most. Right? Absolutely. Right. Yep. You'll be unfulfilled. You'll self sabotage. You won't be magnetic. You, people won't be attracted to you. There's just so many, so many things that are wrong. You need to be really living and breathing your niche so that people are attracted to work with That's you. That's right. It comes across as inauthentic. Oh, yep. Uh-huh. Inauthentic or unauthentic? Inauth- inauthentic. Inauthentic. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. If we're wrong, please let us know. Okay. Yeah. Number two, once we've got our niche nailed down, is really to create that methodology. Now, and here we're talking about how you take your customer from point A to point B, which, you know, sometimes is really, maybe it's A to Z. Well, yeah. <laughs> how, how A to B, A to Z, either way, A to A from where they've got a problem to right. end point where yeah. they've achieved their outcome or, you know, solved that particular problem i think people find it's much harder than it really is to sort of create the methodology don't we i mean i had a client the other day and i think in 20 minutes we sort of you know we, we came up that they've now got a six-step methodology and how they transform their clients absolutely and i know we were going through this with our clients in the knowledge business launch formula earlier in the week and they were all you know everyone was like oh i don't know i don't know i don't know and it was easy it was just like well imagine that your ideal client was standing in front of you right now imagine you know Let's call her Jane. Jane was standing right in front of you and she had this problem. What would you tell her to do next? And they all went, oh, that's easy. I'd tell her to do blah, 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 blah. Cool. What would you tell her to do next? Oh, well, once she'd done that, we just get her to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And it, seriously, it was, so, it was so quickly. So that's the easiest way to draw that methodology out is to think if, that, if my ideal client was standing in front of me right now, what would I just tell them to do next? Yeah. You are the expert. You do have this within you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there. Actually, just get someone to interview you. Good idea. Right? And, and if you need to, do whatever Zoom, so record it, go back and have a look and say, okay, actually, there's actually some really defined steps. And I don't mean going down into the kind of nitty-gritty detail here, are we? Right? We're really talking broadly. Mm-hmm. Step one, you know, I do a, an analysis. Step two, I do this. Step three, I do that. And then we can start to put that into, and we're going to talk about a model more in a sec, but, you know, once we understand the steps, and you may even find that the steps actually lead back to the beginning again. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that Yeah, that you might have a methodology. Oh, we're going to talk about it next, yeah, so let's just cut um, that bit yeah, out. Well, like my methodology, for example, right, and I'm playing with a lot of engineering kind of vernacular in, in my process. I, you know, I talk about making a business more scalable. I'm taking you know, A-B-L-E at the end of that sort of assess, build, leverage and evolve. And once you evolve your business, obviously that creates new issues, which we then need to assess, build some framework around that, create leverage off what what we build and then it evolves your business a little bit further. So, you know, my methodology has this nice cyclical sort of, you know, effect to it. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. end, can be, yeah. right? which has can, several, a couple of other subtle conveniences. <laughs> right? So there's no start and end point. It, it, it keeps, keeps cycling around. But I think if you do, if you can't work it out yourself, get someone to interview you, whether it's your business coach, whether it's you know just a friend um, who knows what it is you do and say, look, I don't know what you do. Tell me about the steps you go through. Just w- one very important thing to note when you're doing this is think about the what, not the how. A lot of people can get really caught in the how. Oh, how I get them to do that is to, you know, really dive deep. No, 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 no. We don't want to do any how in your methodology. It's what is it? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, that leads us on to number three, create a delivery and your model about not only, I guess, the, the framework we now deliver our program in, but also the kind of that model that we just sort of hinged on at a moment ago. Yeah, so we've got the, um, there's a few. We've got the visual model that we were talking about then. Um, we've got the delivery model. How are we going to create it? Um, and how are we going to deliver it? So a couple of different things there. But let's start off with the the visual models, like how to turn that methodology into a visual model because this is um, this is a really easier, a much easier way to get people to understand your concepts than, yeah. than just using voice, which funnily enough is exactly what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, for example, you and I are about to launch Perpetual Launch Club, which is helping people to launch more than once a lot of people launch their program once and then think that was great and then all of a sudden they're oh now what do i do where launching is a a perpetual process so it took us a little bit to sort of go well what does this model look like so that people understand and it had to be a circular model yeah well i've done the same thing with mine right i've got um even even i've taken this as far as actually it's included in my logo that i've got four cogs and if you turn one cog all the other cogs turn Uh uh-huh this idea of, you know, we have this sort of, you know, this cause and effect sort of thing. I know, and it's not just one model either. It, you know, we might have several models to explain mm-hmm. that concepts as well, don't we, Sam? I would actually suggest that you do um, have, I've got a whole folder of models, like I, I've n- not counted, but it's definitely over 50, just to explain different processes within my business, some high level, some, you know, really getting into the guts of things. But start off with your you know, your overarching model. And then every time you've got a new process, uh, create something new, try and get that, that unique perspective and that knowledge, that expertise out of your head into a visual model that, that makes the way that you think unique. So it's not that the, like the concept of what you're teaching isn't the same as other people's, but the way you teach it is unique. Yeah, actually, we were just talking about before, and I think metaphors are really powerful ways of articulating a concept. I mm-hmm. think just before we got online today, I was talking about, um, you know, how you're up on the northern beaches and it takes about four hours, maybe four and a half, five hours if, if there's lots of traffic in Sydney, to drive from the northern beaches to Canberra, where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first 50 kilometres <laughs> <laughs> is all through Sydney. Right, so if I was to now create, and, and that might take two hours in, in, in peak hour to drive from the northern beaches to to Campbelltown, where the freeway opens up, and it's and it's all sort of 110 kilometres an hour from there. But the next two hours, I drive 300 kilometres. So the first 50. Now, if I was to you know again take this into a model, I might draw you know a house at one end and a house at the other, and then I'll put a little line in the sand and I'll draw a little car on it. I'll say this is two hours, this little bit, and then this is two hours, this bit. Right? But it, it very neatly sort of gives someone a visual representation and a, a metaphoric representation of a journey that someone might take between point A and point B. And that, I mean, in this case, I'd say this is the difficult bit. It might mm-hmm. not seem like we're making a lot of progress and it takes a lot of time, but it's because we've got to deal with a lot of traffic. Right? Yes, a yes. A lot of conceptualisation, a lot of ideation, a lot of kind of pulling all the parts together. And then all of a sudden we've got them and all of a sudden we can now drive at 110 and we cover the next little bit really fast. Mm. Okay. So that is the use of a model to illustrate a concept that might make it easier for people to understand. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And then we've got the delivery model. So what does that look like? Is it an online course or an online program? Is it self-paced? Is it something that you take your clients through? Is it in-person workshops? Is it facilitation? So again, knowing the, the kind of person that you are and how you prefer to deliver, how you get your energy, what you want your life to look like. These are all questions that you need to ask yourself. Is it one-to-one or group? Oh, like please make it one to, one to many, please. <laughs> All of these, you need to know where it is that you're heading so that you can create this. I know that there are people that that like to work with a client over, you know, five years. I prefer to do really intense bursts with my clients. I, I much prefer that. Um, I'm, I'm not someone that likes to have something drag out for a long time. It's like, well, let's do a 30 minute sprint and, uh, get this done. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Once you got that sorted out, last but not least, of course, is, is the build authority stage. Okay. We've, we've got our IP. We've the best kept, the world's best kept secret, And we really need to start to start building authority around our intellectual property and the, 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 what it is that we do and the, the transformation we create for people. Now, this really jumps into the marketing stuff. And, of course, you can go back to any of our other podcasts um, or reach out or jump into the Thought Leaders Business Gather community to find out a lot more about some of this or even mine over at the Marketing Automation Lab. But, you know, if we just picked out three things that, that help us build authority around our IP, Sam, and those, you know, authoring, you know, being an author, mm-hmm. and I don't, we don't just necessarily mean writing a book there, do we? You need to get your, your message out. So, so building authority is getting your message out. So I do think that writing a book is a fabulous way to get your message out um, and being credible in the marketplace, speaking, Public speaking is another great way and interviews, all three great ways to share your message and share your unique methodologies and perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. I think the really cool thing about doing these is the more that you do them and, and whether you've got a book or just writing regular blog posts or re- writing regular social media posts, appearing on your own podcast, which we often advocate or or jumping onto other people's and there's plenty of sort of podcasting sites out there and you can go and find uh, speaking opportunities um, on stage even as well and, and doing those interviews is that the more of these that you do, the more they start to self-perpetuate. And here's the other cool thing. The more you speak and share your message, the more methodologies you create as well because you say things and think, oh, that was a bit good. Where'd that come from? Quick, write that one down. <laughs> so they all work together really, really well. Well, I've got, I've got another two interviews this week where people have actually reached out to me and say, hey, I, I really need you to speak to our community mm-hmm. because they've seen or heard me speak in other locations. Mm. Now, it's not, again, it gets to this point, this one's tipping point where you become sought after as a, a, you know, a thought leader you know, fully right intellectual property, isn't it? Sam? Absolutely, absolutely. You don't need to be the one chasing opportunities. Mm-hmm. They come to you. Absolutely. So how to package your IP, number one, get clear on your niche. Using that keep principle is a great way to do that. Number two, creating your methodology. Uh, number three, creating your delivery and your visual models. And number four, building authority. Yeah, Great awesome, place to start. Awesome. 
Awesome. Now, next week, we're going to have some bit of fun, uh, something slightly different. We've got, we've got the bug for guests. We do. So I put out a, a call or I put a call out in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community Facebook group and asked if anyone would like to come onto the show and have us unpack one of their business problems. And Sean Premnath has put up his hand, so he will be joining us next week where he'll be sharing a business problem and we will be unpacking it live on the show. There you go. And, of course, if you wanted to actually get on that opportunity, you would have had to be in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. Just give that a bit of a Facebook search um, and jump in there. You'll find not only this episode and the show notes, but all the other episodes going back almost 200 episodes now, Sam. Just about. Almost there. Uh, what are we up to? Now, we've done 190-something. <laughs> so, <laughs> every, every Thursday. Um, and, and they're fantastic. So lots of, lots of show notes, lots of uh, really fantastic, vibrant community. We'd love to have you join us. Of course, if you have liked this episode, um, we'd love a shout-out, a comment, a share, a like on iTunes and all other good podcasting services um and of course we would love if you were to share this episode with someone who you feel could get value in learning how to package their ip absolutely thank you so much for listening to our episode today obviously if we had no listeners we wouldn't be here so we appreciate you showing up every week tim thanks for joining me for another episode thanks sam great to see you today and thanks for joining us everybody ciao ciao